0: to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Arik your host and producer of the show. And well, joining me today is also my co-host, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how are you doing today?
1: You know what, Lucio? We are officially less than 72 hours away from the football season kicking off for Fresno State.
0: Yes, and I am ready for some football. I am ready for Fresno State to take the field. And that way we can kind of figure out what kind of a team they have. Because, you know, we've been speculating up until this point. We'll, we'll, We'll get a chance to see it.
1: And, you know, the thing about speculating is that it gets tiring after a while. I mean, it's great that in the months of April, May, June, July, all those months, like, we could talk on and on about, here's what Fresno State should do, here's the players to watch, but now we could get into the nitty-gritty of it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because fall camp is over. The, uh, you know, the uh, the roster, the starters have been named. The depth charts have been set. So you know we're we're ready for the for the game and you know you know get in there and try to figure out what kind of what kind of team the Bulldogs have because all camp long we've been seeing a great defense. And and a struggling offense, we'll get to figure out just exactly what kind of a team that the Bulldogs have.
1: And not only that, we'll see which one's the genius, which one actually accurately predicted Fresno State's season, whether they go three and nine,
0: four and eight, five to seven, or maybe perhaps get a bowl. Uh, You know, and that's and that's the goal. Uh, The Bulldogs are trying, you know, to really improve upon what they did last season uh, from a three and nine. Uh, to trying to be bowl eligible this season, and uh, and uh, and possibly you know keeping Coach Tim DeRuder off the hot seat by well, doing so. Well, more important
1: is this: the way I look at it is, in the last two seasons, the fan base has gotten really upset, and the fan interest has started to dwindle. It's looking, in a lot of ways, it looks either. Like Pat Hill's final season, or it looks way worse. And to me, it looks way worse because you know what? These this is last two seasons have been two seasons of mediocrity for Fresno State's end, and Tim DeRuyter's still at his post. So that's why the fans are getting restless. That's why it's pretty much win now, not this whole like win one more game more than you did last year, or win two more games more than you did last year. I mean. Fresno State fans are spoiled. They want to see 8 wins. They want to see 9 wins. They want to see Mountain West titles. They want to be at the pinnacle that Boise State is in right now. Or they want to be at the top of the food chain where San Diego State is right now.
0: And and basically what the Bulldogs are going to have to do this season, they're going to have to become bowl eligible. Uh in in order to, you know, to to kind of ease the the restlessness of the uh, Bulldog faithful. Uh, bowl eligible is got to be the goal this season. You well, know, not so
1: much bowl eligible. I mean, here's the thing: it's nice to be bowl eligible, but how about winning a bowl game? Tim Drudder is yet to do that. Let alone actually get a team to compete in a bowl game. Well, baby I've seen steps. Three blowouts.
0: Baby steps. I mean, last year they weren't able to get there. This year they got to at least get to a bowl game. Then next year they can worry about winning one. The year after that, you know, the whack. No, not I the whack, But the Mountain West Championship at least.
1: Yeah, no, no, I disagree. I mean, the way Fresno State fans are have been restless, the way Fresno State fans are acting, and just judging from like just the clouds that are coming in circling around Tim DeRuder and his regime, it's pretty much not only getting to a bowl, but actually winning one. Because if DeRooter loses another bowl game, there's always going to be that group of Fresno State fans, or the, even parts of the Fresno State administration wondering, is this guy actually going to produce a bowl victory with, for as long as he's at Fresno State? I mean, there's those questions that I have to ask, and I'm sure there's a lot more. A lot of these questions are are being asked as well among several other Fresno State fans.
0: Oh, definitely, and and they wanted they want some results, and they want it you know pretty quickly. But you know, up against the Nebraska team, that's going to be a tall order for them. Uh, you know, that's the first game of the season. Had it been that Sacramento State was the first game, we could actually get a gauge of where the team is. You know, they're going they're going to a Big Ten country. It's going to be a little bit harder for us to kind of figure out what kind of a team they have now. If they're really competitive with Nebraska. Then we'll know for a fact that this is a very talented group, but well, until until that happens, we're, we're kind of up in the air.
1: But you know, luckily, our Fresno State's in at least the Nebraska team. They're not dealing with at least this one doesn't have Tom Osborne as a head coach. At least this one doesn't have Graham Wisstrom anchoring the defense or Tommy Frazier playing quarterback. This is a Nebraska team that was six and seven last year, and. The biggest highlight that Nebraska had was beating a mediocre UCLA team in the Foster Farms Bowl.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, they actually made a bowl game last year, not because they were eligible. Because there wasn't enough teams that were eligible. So Nebraska went to one. So, you know, that tells you kind of where Nebraska is at. But, you know... A lot of the people out there who have been predicting what type of season the Bulldogs are going to be having really have not taken into consideration the level of talent that has come in this year. Because I'm telling you, there's a total group of players. I mean, it's, it's almost like a complete overhaul of the talent that's on this Bulldog squad. And what' so the coaching staff, though. Well, the coaching staff, but there's been a lot of turnover on players. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't realize that. This is a, almost a completely different team that's out there this season. And so if they're trying to base it off of what the Bulldogs did last season, they're going to be a little surprised this season, I think. So, you know, uh, it, it might be a little different than what people think this year. It'll, I hope you're right, because well, I, mean, I, I feel like I'm still sticking to my prediction. <laughs> well, it all depends on how fast the offense progresses, because right now the defense is so far ahead of the offense. So mm-hmm. if the offense can you know pick up the playbook and figure it out a lot quicker, uh, the Bulldogs could be in good shape and in actually surprise a lot of teams, especially in the Mountain West division. So, you know, it, it might be a little bit different in, and, and, you know, By doing so, Fresno State has already announced their depth chart going into Nebraska. And so they've got the two deep. And I've got that in front of me. So why don't we go ahead and go over the positions and kind of, if you got anything to say about any of these players, feel free, Lorenzo. But let's start at quarterback. Fresno State actually named a starting quarterback. And that surprises me because the last two seasons, it's been a revolving door on quarterbacks and they wouldn't name one.
1: And but here's here's my my whole thing. It's nice to know that they named the starting quarterback, and they actually did that last year, if you actually uh, think back to it. But my question is, can the guy stay healthy?
0: Well, you know what? They named Virgil last season uh, the starting quarterback three games into the season. And they for them to name a starting quarterback uh, already before the first game of the season, that surprises me. And you know what? I'm actually happy about that because they need to do something like that. Name the starter. And move on and let the kid play so that he can learn
1: but see here it goes back to another question and obviously i have a lot of questions on this night but you know if virgil has his ups and downs if virgil goes through a process where after one turnover the bleeding just doesn't stop i mean are they gonna keep him in there or are they gonna pu- push the panic button and go with another guy So,
0: yeah. And that's and that's the question. And it's going to be answered in Nebraska. Are they going to play two quarterbacks or are they going to stick to their guns and keep Virgil in there and let him learn? Um, You know, I'd like to see, you know, you name the starter, you stick with him and let the kid play so he can learn this. Now, if two, three games down the road, he's still doing the same mistakes, then you pull him. I mean, that's that should be the way it should happen. But I'm not a head coach. (laughs) so yeah I mean I can't can't make that call you
1: there I'm with you there I agree that you know what in this particular situation whether Fresno State does win or even if they lose by 30 or 40 points you still got to go with Virgil the whole time see where he is see what the offense is going to be like with him controlling the reins and then go from there because if Virgil struggles against Nebraska you know what Nebraska is a power five conference team so Unfortunately, and I know a lot of people may not want to hear this, unfortunately, a quarterback from Fresno State going against a school like Nebraska, I mean, he's going to take his lumps. He's going to have his struggles. He had his struggles against Ole Miss. But if he's going to struggle against, say, a Utah State or a Wyoming or a mediocre Mountain West team, that's when you've got to pull out the red flag.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's when you know that you need to pull him and, and put in the next guy and see what he's got. But he he's he's got to learn. I mean, he obviously did enough in fall camp to win the starting position. You've got to put a little faith into him that he can get the job done and and let him play for two or three games until you've you know pull the cord on it. I mean, that's that's the only way to do it. I mean. I don't know what else to say about that, but that's well. How I mean, I feel.
1: you can't suit up Trent Dilfer, you can't suit up the Car Brothers, so you <laughs> got to go with Virgil.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got Virgil, but and you he, can't bring back Zach Greeley either because Zach Greeley's at UTEP and apparently he's doing well. Oh yeah, he's won the starting position at UTEP, so that tells you something there. That the kid just needed a change of environment, and and he's he's really thriving over there. So, you know, I I, I wish the guy well and hope that he has a uh, you know successful season over there, but. Uh, over here at Fresno State, I mean, you got Chase and Virgil as, named as the starter, and then backing him up, they've decided that it's going to be Zach Klein, uh, the Cal transfer. So you know the two deep has been set. Zach Klein uh, obviously f- was able to fend off. Um, wh- let me see, who was it? But uh, you've got uh, Davis, was it Clinton Davis. Clinton Davis ended up there in the fourth position because I believe they're going to redshirt him. So that it was just between him and um, the name escapes me right now.
1: I, I will. Here's a, here's what I will say: having a guy like Zach Klein as an insurance policy, I think it actually does in a lot of ways benefit Virgil. And here's the reason why I say that: having Zach Klein on your roster is almost the equivalent of having a journeyman NFL quarterback on your roster. Klein knows the rigors of the college game. I mean. He's seen some of the top-flight competition during his time at Cal. And then, I mean, briefly when he was at Oregon State, and now he's with Fresno State. But he knows the the complexities of, of different offenses. He knows, like, what's at stake. So for a young guy like Virgil, I mean, it's extremely beneficial. And not only that, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, there's those question marks that Fresno State has at the quarterback position. But, you know, I'm actually comfortable with Zach Klein coming in as the number two guy because of the experience that he comes with.
0: Yeah, and he was able to, you know, n- the name just came to me. He was able to fend off Christian Rossi, uh, the, the transfer out of Fresno City. Uh, and so he, he was able to solidify himself enough and, and impress the coaches enough that he would be the backup quarterback. Now, he, the race for starter was that close. Uh, I mean, at one point, I thought he might have a chance to overtake Virgil, but ended up that Virgil uh, did enough in the final days to to get the starting nod. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I want to see exactly what the coaches are gonna do once they get in there with Nebraska. If they're gonna keep Virgil in the whole game, or if they're gonna give Klein a chance to see what he can do. So. But that being said, we're going to move on to the running back position. And at the running back position, you got starter as Dontell James. You know, this was a, a surprise because James came back from an injury that most people thought was going to be a long one, but ended up being a very minor injury. And now he's in the starting lineup as the starter. And he's being backed up by DeJounte O'Neill. So this is a, a 1 2 combination because you got the power of Dontell James. And then you got the shiftiness of DeJounte O'Neal. So that one that one should be an intriguing kind of a duo back there, don't you think? I mean, I agree.
1: And, you know, it's good to see that a guy like DeJounte O'Neal is getting his opportunity to be at least one of the future backs in that backfield for Fresno State because I just feel like that he brings that elusive element, sort of like a Robbie Rouse and um, even a, a young Ron Rivers. But, you know, in regards to James, I mean, it's it's compelling and it's also great to see just how soon he was able to come back from injury.
0: Yeah. And, and it was actually a very, a good thing for Fresno state since they're very thin at the running back position, hopefully Dante James and, and DeJounte O'Neill can, can stay healthy long enough for some of those other running backs that were injured later on in the season, you know, be able to kind of hold things together until some of those running backs come back later on in the season. And, that's the only thing that the Bulldogs can hope for is that not another running back goes down because then they're going to be in a world of hurt or just any happens. injuries in general. Yeah, I mean this this Bulldog uh, offense um, really can't have any injuries. If they do, they're going to be they're going to be in trouble because I don't
1: know if you want me to break down like how the running backs stack up against Nebraska's defense or save that for later or.
0: You know what? Uh, Let's go through. Why don't I just name off all the starters real quick, and then we can start breaking down the Nebraska game. How about that? So why don't we uh, – let me name off the starters for offensive line. You've got Christian Kronk at left tackle. You've got Aaron Mitchell at left guard. You've got Jacob Vasquez at center, uh, Micah St. Andrew at right guard, and David Patterson at right tackle. Moving in at tight end, you've got the starter, uh, uh, Chad Olsen, and he's being backed up by Kyle Rittering. So, you know, those two have been in a system uh, for, for, you know, Chad Olson for three years, Kyle Rittering for two. So that's a, that's a good one-two punch there at tight end. At the wide receiver position, you've got Aaron Peck being backed up by Delvin Hardaway. Wide re- uh, the other wide receiver slot, you've got uh, Jameer Jordan being backed up by uh, Damari Scott and Justin Allen. And then you've got, uh, in the third wide uh, receiver position, you've got Keyshawn Johnson backed up by Michael Martins and Daryl Fury. Now, on the defensive side of the F- Fresno State, um, you've got, at, at end, you've got Nathan Madsen uh, being backed up by Austin uh, Nose Noseguard, you've got Malik Forrester being backed up by Patrick Bellany. Um, at the other end, you've got Nick Christoffers being backed up by Elijah Piper uh at out, left outside linebacker at the well at line at outside linebacker at the sam position you've got James Bailey and being backed up by f- uh incoming freshman Josh Hokett. um inside, Clovis guy Yes, a Clovis guy and he actually did enough at fall camp to impress for the coaches to reward him in the two deep somewhere they actually moved him from middle linebacker to outside linebacker in order to give him a spot on the two deep. So that shows you how much that the the coaching staff loves him. Um, You've got at the inside linebacker, Mike position, you've got Robert Stanley uh, being backed up by Nella Otukolo. (laughs) This one, I always murder this last name. Otukolo. Um, Then you've got inside linebacker at the Will position, Jeff Camilli being backed up by Jeffrey Allison, another incoming freshman. Um, you've got outs, outside linebacker at the Joker position, Brandon Hughes, being backed up by Tobena Okeke. <laughs> Boy, I'm, I'm getting I'm I'm getting some tongue twisters in here this year. Yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, I'm glad you're
0: surviving. <laughs> um, back. Let me see. Where was it? Okeke. Okay, okay. okay, so at the cornerback position, we've got Jamal Ellis backed up by Mike Bell. Uh, free safety position, you've got uh, incoming uh, transfer, I believe, uh, Strath- Stratton Brown by uh, and being backed up by Alan Wright. Strong safety position, Deshaun Potts being backed up by Dalen Jones. And then at the other cornerback position, Taekwon Glass being backed up by uh, local Juju Hughes. So Juju Hughes did... He was quite impressive during fall camp, and so they put him on the two deep. So he's heading to Nebraska for this game.
1: Yeah, you know what? I definitely saw this coming. I mean, just judging by some of the reports you had and also judging by what I've been reading from my colleagues out in Fresno, our colleagues out in Fresno, I mean, Hughes has been sort of like one of those talks of the camp, especially from a true freshman standpoint. Now, I know there's that report about whether or not Hughes will actually take the redshirt or Fresno State will will consider red-shirting Hughes, my whole feeling is that he may be too talented enough to actually not have the red shirt. I mean, he might be too talented enough to actually work his way into the nickel packages, maybe perhaps even start down the road, depending uh, on where things stand in the secondary.
0: All indications from what I've been hearing from the coaching staff is that uh, Juju Hughes more than likely will not be redshirted. shirted uh, just because... Uh, You know, just the level of talent that he's been showing at these practices, you know, it's too much for them to sit him. I mean, he's he's that good. So. And he provides a need because of
1: the fact that Fresno State in the last couple of years has struggled at forcing takeaways. One of the things that made Hughes into a nationally renowned. Prospect college prospect at Hanford was because of his ability to snatch interceptions and also recover fumbles. He brings that element, that much needed element to the Fresno state defense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so he's going to, he's going to get his chance just like Hokit Hokit. It looks like he's going to, he's might end up, you know, playing some at some point in the game, if it is special teams or something, but he might not even redshirt it as well. So, I mean, you've got – I believe there's four freshmen on the Mm -hmm. two deep this year.
1: And, you know, in regards to Hokit, I saw him briefly when he was at Clovis High, and I was just impressed by the energy levels that the guy has. I mean – He's a guy who will only get tired after the fourth quarter. I mean, his stamina is incredible, and it goes back to his wrestling background. But the guy just has a nose for the football. So we talked about Hughes being that takeaway machine. I feel like Hockett is another guy with a great nose for the football. And, you know, that's going to be extremely beneficial for a guy like Lorenzo Ward.
0: Well, basically what the coaches have said about Hockett is that um – he, uh, he's the type of player that, he, you know, he doesn't have an off switch for some reason. They'll, they'll tell him that it's going to be a touch uh, practice and he goes in there and, and hits somebody. So they basically had to tell him to stop hitting people. Because but you know,
1: I feel like that you you should have you should want players like that. <laughs> you should want the that crazy edgy guy. I mean, sort of like a Chris Pacheco.
0: Well, the problem was is that Hokit was doing this, and players are getting injured, and they can't afford to have any more <laughs> injured players. So I
1: mean, it's understandable, but I mean, heck, I mean. A guy who goes like a guy who brings that kind of energy to the defense, you damn right, I want to play in defense for me.
0: <laughs> so they, they kind of had to tell him to kind of uh, chill a little bit and kind of uh, tell him to to just ratchet it back. And then when it when they're in full pads, have at it, buddy. <laughs> so you know they they kind of had to rein him in a few times. So it, it was it was kind of interesting to watch. So he's kind of like that bandit player sort <laughs> of yeah and, and you know what I, I've got to finish the two deep I, I almost forgot about the special teams I know it, a lot of people don't care about that, but there are those few people that do you know love special teams and, and probably would like to hear this so as far as I know the starting place kicker as far as I know the starting place kicker for, uh, for the Nebraska game is going to be Jimmy Camacho. Uh, and he's being backed up by Cody Croning. So we'll, we'll see exactly what's going on here. I, I don't know yet what's going to happen because it, the kickers have been pretty inconsistent all fall camp. So we'll yeah, see. And
1: that's the other issue too. And, that, you know, it's good that you also mentioned who the special teams guys are going to be because if the game is close and it comes down to a field goal kick, I mean, who's going to be the guy to trust?
0: Yeah. And, you know, what? I think it might be a combination of both of these kickers, one for a certain yardage, the other one, you know, one for long yardage, one for short yardage. It it just depends because both kickers have been very inconsistent during fall camp as far as accuracy, accuracy is concerned. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do here, but they have Jimmy Camacho slated as the starter. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, now, for kickoff duties, they have Jimmy Camacho uh, being backed up by freshman Nick Van Valkenburg. Um, at the punter position, you've got Blake Cusick uh, as the starting punter, uh, backed up by Cody Croning. Um, you've got long snapper Justin Varell, uh, backed up by Jacob Weather- West- Westberry. <laughs> then you've got holder is going to be Blake Kusick. Cus- uh, backed up by Zach Klein, uh, the kick returners. Okay, these, these are probably some of the guys that people want to know who's going to be doing the returners. Well, kick returners, you've got Taekwon Glass on one side and Damari Scott on the other. Uh, at punt returner, Taekwon Glass earns those duties being backed up by Damari Scott. So it's going to be, uh, those are the starters on special teams. Some people like to hear that, especially on who's going to be doing the returns. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just how the special teams are going to do because special teams used to be a very strong point for Fresno State. And it yeah, hasn't, during the John Baxter days. And it really hasn't showed up recently in the last few years. So I hope they get that turned around. So it's it's going to be interesting to see just the, you know how effective the special teams are going to be. But that being said, Lorenzo... we're we're, we're, the Bulldogs are heading to Nebraska so we we need to actually break down a little bit about uh, you know the matchups for Nebraska Mm -hmm. and and where do you want to start off at
1: well you know what I'll start actually in the trenches on the offensive line because you know what it's it's actually a pretty young relative group granted you got Tommy Armstrong Jr. back as a senior quarterback and the thing with Armstrong is that he kind of gives you this this feeling that he's a old school Nebraska quarterback in terms of the fact that he can make plays with his legs instead of his arm. But you know, I guess it's sounding like that the guy's pretty schizophrenic in certain games. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what kind of game plan, what kind of attack scheme. That Lorenzo Ward's going to implement for this game against Armstrong. Now, to me, the strength of this team is actually the receivers. That's where the most experience is. You got Alonzo Moore, you got Brandon Riley, and you got probably the top returner and the guy who's clearly going to get the football, Jordan Westerkamp. Three seniors, got plenty of experience. They've had their way against Big Ten defenses, so, you know. I feel like that it's really the wide receiving game. It's really the passing game that's going to be the the main focal point of attack for Fresno State's defense.
0: And, and you know what? It, it As of right now, the, the cornerbacks are probably the strongest point of the defense for Fresno State. So that's going to be an interesting matchup because yeah. – You've got you've got on on the outsides. You've got Jamal Ellis and Tyquan Glass, and, and both players are very very good at, at the cornerback position.
1: To, to me, it, it's crazy, Lucio, because the way I look at it, I feel like that when you really compare Nebraska's receiving core going against Fresno State's secondary, they're actually about even. Because we mentioned how Fresno State's secondary is actually the strength of that defense. Well. On Nebraska's side, I could tell that the passing game, the receiving court, is actually the strength of Nebraska's offense. So ideal matchups right there.
0: Yeah, it's a very big ideal matchup. The the keys uh, for the for the, the defensive backs are gonna be the free safety position and the strong safety position, Stratton Brown and Deshaun Potts. We gotta see just how, how they these two guys will fit into that defense. And if if they can fit in perfectly, you know Fresno State might have a, have a shot at shutting down uh, you know the the passing game for Nebraska.
1: But here's another here's another key area that I want to mention as well. Nebraska's offensive line it is in a rebuilding stage. This unit lost three starters last year, including Alex Lewis, who got drafted in the fourth round. You only got Nick Gates, returning sophomore left tackle, six foot five, two hundred ninety pound guy. You also got Dylan Utter. Six foot one, 295 pounds, center. Those are your only two returning stars. Everybody else is either a sophomore or junior, but, you know, very untested. And they're going against a revamped Fresno State defensive line.
0: Oh, and the defensive line this season is, is- – Ten times better than what than it has been in the last couple of years. I mean, you've got Nathan Madsen Christoph, and Christoffers both on the outsides, and the the addition of Malik Forster in the middle, the 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 six one three hundred and twenty pound uh, you know nose guard. I mean, it, it, things are looking a little different on the defensive line, and if if that is a weak point for Nebraska, uh, maybe. Fresno State's defense, the, the defensive line, can get back in the, in the backfield and disrupt some of these plays. So now uh-huh. that will be interesting to see.
1: Yeah. So now moving on over to the defensive side of the football for Nebraska, much like how the offensive line is young, so is the defensive line. I've, in fact, none of the four guys that Nebraska has slated on the depth chart, none of those guys are returning starters. Nebraska lost Vincent Valentine and Malik Collins to the NFL. And then Greg McMullen left the team. You also had Kevin Williams, a tackle, who ended up getting lost due to a graduate transfer situation on his end. But, you know, you got Kevin Maurice anchoring defensive tackle. You got Khalil Davis. Interesting thing about Khalil Davis at defensive tackle, he's a true freshman. And so he's going to get his first chance, his first crack against Fresno State and that young offensive line.
0: Yeah, and the and, and the offensive line, as long as it's the starters that are in there for Fresno State, they should be okay. But if they uh, lose any uh, of actually, those starters— Actually, correction,
1: correction on Davis, he's actually a redshirt freshman because he's a 2015 graduate. But still, young guy— Getting thrust into the lineup and, you know, the thing is with Nebraska, as you know, Lucio, it's a big defensive line school. I mean, Dominick and Sue went there. The aforementioned Graham Winstrom went there. And, you know, you can also go back to a guy like Jason Peter. I mean, there's a lot of tradition on that line.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and so against an offensive line for Fresno State, as long as it's just the starters, if it's Fresno State's starters that are in there, they should be okay. But if they start losing any of those starters— uh, they're going to be in a world of hurt. Uh, Fresno State does not have the depth at offensive line this this season. Now,
1: here's the thing. It's like we, we've been hitting at the fact that Fresno State is going to go with more of a ground-and-pound, run-oriented approach. Well, there is this bad news that I have to share for if anybody thinks that Fresno State is going to have some success running the football against Nebraska's defense. Yeah, it's a young group, but you know what? This group still was ninth in the nation last year in allowing average yards per run at 109.8. So 9 out of the 120-so teams in the FBS realm.
0: Yeah, and and so the run game for Fresno State is going to be crucial. If they cannot get a run game going, uh, Nebraska is going to tee up on Virgil. And uh, that's not going to be a good thing. So the running backs for Fresno State have got to be on point and actually produce something just to keep this Nebraska defense on.
1: You know, here's the crazy thing about Nebraska. I mean, granted, like Martin Binker is the defensive coordinator and there's no telling what kind of game plan he's going to institute. But I will say this in years past, Nebraska actually doesn't call for a lot of blitzes and they very seldom call for a lot of stunning either from their defensive line. Nebraska is more along the lines of just lining up and just trying to beat you into trenches, basically going the old school blue collar philosophy. So, I mean, maybe it's going to be the same case. Maybe they're going to turn up the heat against Virgil, but I mean, history tells us that Nebraska just prefers to line up and try to beat you.
0: You know, you know the one play that would be perfect, and uh, people are going to hate me for saying this. It's going to be that uh, wide receiver bubble screen. <laughs>
1: Well, I, you, people hate it because I mean they recall like the Pat Hill final season when Jeff Gray was the offensive corner and every other play was that bubble screen. Oh,
0: well, you know, it, it, why not keep using it? I mean, use it until they stop it. So, <laughs> but it's it's the the type of a uh, play that works good for these fast you know these defenses that take a lot of chances. If you can get to the ball to the outside to your playmakers and let them try to make a move or something. <laughs> You might have a shot. Well, more so against a defense running a cover four scheme because the thing with cover four
1: is that your corners tend to play off.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and that gives a chance for, uh, for the wide receiver to actually break one. And but
1: that leads me into this. The deepest, most experienced part of Nebraska is the secondary. You got Joshua, Joshua Caillou, I hope I got his name right, returning that corner. You got Chris Jones, the other corner. You also got Nate Gary, 6'2", 210, big hitter at senior, and he's a safety. So, you know, they're deep in the secondary. And, you know, we talked about Fresno State's secondary being pretty talented. Well, Nebraska's real strength on defense figures to be the secondary.
0: And that's going to be uh, a problem if Fresno State's not going to be able to get the running game going.
1: As it is, like with Gary – Gary's that senior strong safety. I mean, he led the Cornhuskers in tackles and interceptions last season, so he's clearly going to be the guy locating either DeJounte O'Neal, Dante James, whoever. So if Fresno State finds a way to run some plays away from his side, we might be in good shape. Fresno State might be in good shape.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we're not suiting
1: up. <laughs> yeah, we're not suiting up. I mean, it's not, it's not our fault.
0: No, and, and, and you know f- – and again, I'm going to say what I said last podcast. I don't know what kind of receivers Fresno state has because basically I have not been able to see them perform due to the inability of the quarterbacks getting them the ball the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, you've got Peck who's a a fifth year senior who did not play all of last year because of a foot injury. Uh, Jameer Jordan showed flashes, but he didn't, there wasn't enough shown thrown to, to him to see if there was more than that, and then you've got Keyshawn Johnson, who to me has just been, you know, inconsistent up until now. But I think that has a lot to do with the quarterback play. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what what Fresno State has at wide receiver until there's a quarterback capable enough of getting the ball out there, and we'll find
1: out real quick in these first five games, beginning with Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, beginning with Saturday, it might be tough. I mean, Bulldogs might be forced to throw the ball a lot more than they'd like to because of a uh, uh, running the running back position being as thin as it is. But, you know, they want to run the ball. The, the, the question is, can they run the ball?
1: See, the thing is, is that, I mean, just judging by the lineups, judging by who is on that depth chart for Nebraska, I mean – there are some favorable matches, but at the same time, it's like there's some unfavorable matchups on Fresno State's end. And my biggest question is, does Fresno State have enough, not so much the size aspect, but does Fresno State have enough power and leverage to overpower Nebraska? Because when Nebraska overpowers opponents, that's when it's most dangerous, as we've seen over the years with them.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, it's going to be... It's going to be a great test to see just where the Bulldogs are, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. I mean, if it was here in Fresno, they might have a better chance with the crowd on their side, but you're in Nebraska where... That's a pretty big stadium, if I remember correctly. What it's seven- a big
1: stadium, and you know what they—I mean—it's religion over there. Cornhusker <laughs> football is religion over there.
0: But from what I hear, they're polite <laughs> over Nebraska. So that's saying a lot. But uh, it's you know it's a big stadium. It gets really loud in there, and you know it might be enough to rattle some of these young players on Fresno State. So. If it, if the first game was here at Bulldog Stadium, that might be a different story. It might be able to energize some of these players in Nebraska. I, I don't I don't know I, I don't know. I mean, it's Big Ten country. It's going to be a little bit different for them. But you know you know what, Lorenzo? Why don't we give? Why don't you give some sort of uh, what's your what's your analysis? What do you think the Bulldogs are going to need to do in order to stay successful?
1: Well, if you're if you are hinting at running the football. Stay true to your word. And if it doesn't work out, then you have no choice but to hit the bubble screens or hit the quick quick hitch routes. Another thing, too, is that, yeah, he's coming off an injury, but don't hesitate to allow Jason Virgil to take off running as well because he's built for that. And as it was at, during his high school career, he was known for also making plays with his legs. So, I mean, there's aspects out there. And, I mean, me personally, I feel like if you're Fresno State, Start with the run, be true to your word Test that young defensive line On Nebraska, regardless of how big They are, test that line, particularly The middle, because that's where Nebraska is the most youngest
0: And, and you know what Probably the biggest thing they're going to have to do Is don't hit the panic button uh, Too quickly I mean, you got to let things settle down If Nebraska scores Two touchdowns very quickly I have a feeling they're going to hit the panic button Very mm-hmm. quickly and what they need to do is just stick with the game plan and kind of try to fill things out and try to get these players to kind of buy in and, and do what they were sent there to do and stick to the game plan. Uh, I mean, if anything, if you if you go in there feeling defeated, you're going to come out defeated very Exactly. Quickly.
1: We saw, honestly, we saw that multiple times last year. And not only that, an anonymous Mountain West coach even pointed out I don't know what happened but they just seemed like that they gave up in a lot of games last year.
0: Oh and it they, they did feel like that to me. I mean, you could just see it in the in the players' faces. I mean, this year during fall camp, the atmosphere is completely different. It's night and day from what I saw last season at camp. So it's a different vibe, it's a different coaching staff whether or not the players have bought into what the new coaching staff has done we'll find out we'll we'll find out because if if they continue to fight until the last snap then you know that the coaching staff is onto something
1: exactly not only that it tells us that Fresno State might actually be onto something as well that you know if they're able to be neck and neck with Nebraska then it should be a good indicator that maybe things are actually going to be looking up for Fresno State
0: yeah and especially you know, since Fresno State has been showing a lot of success on the recruiting trail this season, it'd be a shame to, to kind of lose momentum, uh, you know, especially when they are already at an unprecedented amount of commitments already this season, mm-hmm. you know to kind of lose momentum is going to be kind of a you know a step backwards as far as I'm concerned, in, in the recruiting. So they need to keep the, the pressure on. they need to continue to show progra- progress in order for some of these new recruits to kind of buy into the system.
1: And it tells those recruits that, you know what, Fresno State actually is starting to build something special. And, you know what, I want to stay on board. I want to be a part of this. So, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think... I think, you know, if you don't have anything else, I think we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up. I mean, Did you want
1: me to bring up that column I was telling you about?
0: Oh yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what you uh have in store there for us. Well, actually, here's here's the thing.
1: Like um myself and Lucio and even Jackson when he's made appearances, a lot of us tend to ask the question, you know, is Russell State tough enough? Is the toughness element still there? Well, interesting column from Mr. Lee. who works for Omaha World Herald. He's a longtime columnist and a guy who covers Nebraska. He has a column that questions whether or not Nebraska still has any toughness left. This is a guy who brings up the fact that it's been almost 16 years that Nebraska has won a conference title. It's been well over 20 years that Nebraska won a national title. And this column is basically questioning what happened to the toughness that Lincoln
0: had. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you know, when they're used to a certain style of football, uh, you know, for many years, you know, and the fan base starts to notice. And so I'm guessing that's just a response to what some of the fans have been talking about. Uh,
1: and not only Lincoln. that, I mean, the Nebraska teams that I saw when I was younger, I mean, I got used to them winning 9, 10 sometimes going undefeated under Tom Osborne and you know they had some pretty nasty football teams I mean particularly on the defensive side of the football but you know I almost get this feeling that Nebraska fans were so spoiled during those years that you know what it's like they're it's missing and not only that it's like they they're just not used to seeing this team win five, six games per year, and they're getting restless. They're getting just as restless as Fresno State fans are with Tim DeRuiter.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's it's being very well noticed here in Fresno as far as the restlessness of some of this fans. So, uh, yeah, Fresno's going to need to do something and do something that's positive this season or... Uh, because here's,
1: here's the situation with Nebraska in the, ever since Tom Osborne left. They go with Frank Solik, who had his run, but ultimately I guess it sounded as if like he relied too much on what Tom Osborne left behind. And so he was shown the door. Nebraska then brings in Bill Callahan – Callahan had a little bit of success, but then Callahan got exposed as being nothing more than an offensive line coach and also had some disrespectful rants toward opponents, so he went out the door. You, yeah, then you bring in Bo Pelini. Pelini had his success. Pelini helped build some of the top defenses at Nebraska, especially when he had the Dominican Sioux, but then Pelini kind of put his foot in his mouth. And then he was shown the door. So there's really been some coaching instability at Nebraska. Now you got Mike Riley on board right now. He's entering his second season. Well, fact is, Mike Riley, as polite of a guy he is, on average, his teams only win about six, sometimes eight games per year. And at a place like Lincoln, we don't have to be there to say that a place like Lincoln doesn't tolerate six to eight wins. I mean, the bar set high over there.
0: No, Lincoln expects an, uh, a national championship. <laughs> uh more often than not. And so they're they're expecting big things to to happen. BCS bowl bids, uh, you know, things.
1: they want to be where Ohio State is right now. They want to be where Michigan State is right now. They want to be where Michigan is slowly but surely getting to right now. So that's what the Nebraska faithful wants.
0: Yeah, and things are things are you know, getting uh, getting kind of restless over in Nebraska and uh, I I have a feeling that the uh, the coaching staff is is on the hot seat in Nebraska just like the coaching staff is on the hot seat here at Fresno. So
1: well the thing is is that I mean maybe they might cut they might cut Riley some slack unless like things truly truly unravel in a bad way but you know the thing is is that I'm sure Mike Riley knows that going 6 and 7 four years in a row at a place like Nebraska isn't going to cut it.
0: No, it's not, and uh, there's going to be a fan base there that's going to be demanding for uh, for a change at head coach if uh, if that happens again for Nebraska. So,
1: Nebraska they're probably going to they're probably going to want to talk to Nick Saban, even though Nick Saban is probably going to say no.
0: One of one of the hopes for Fresno State right now is that Nebraska is overlooking them uh, and already thinking about the game after Fresno.
1: Yeah, and, that's Wyoming.
0: And if that if that happens, then. Uh, Fresno State might be able to sneak in and kind of, uh, you know, change the tide for uh, for some point during the game. Uh, you know, it, it only depends on if if they are looking over Fresno, since Fresno had a, a, a really bad record last season.
1: And, so. you know, here's another thing, too. We talked about how restless Fresno State fans are getting regarding Tim DeRuiter. You know, what's also something that Fresno State fans have not seen in a long, long time, a victory against a power five opponent.
0: I I, you know what I haven't seen yeah I mean it's been what three or four years now. Well, Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers was the last one, and that was David Carr. I mean Derek Carr, not David. Uh, Yeah, Derek Carr, Derek Carr's final year. So that was now that makes three almost four years ago now. So, wow, that's it's been a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's almost been it's been more than two years. I'll tell you that.
0: So it's uh you know it's the last time they've they've actually. Even been competitive against the Power Five team, so it's it's something that the Bulldogs are going to have to try and see if they can do. If they if they're competitive in this game, I I, I, I think a lot of the fan base will be happy with that as, as long as they're competitive.
1: If they're competitive, then that then you can be assured that there's going to be thirty five thousand or more fans for the Sacramento game, the well, home opener,
0: and that's what Fresno State needs because they need the fan base to turn up. And if if Fresno if Fresno State has a has a poor showing in Nebraska and just gets annihilated. Uh, they're going to have a hard time filling the the seats with butts uh, for that Sacramento State game. I'm- and you're
1: going to see more people at Doghouse Grill or at the <laughs> new Campus Point. Or we're going to see what we normally see, Lucio. Fans leaving in the third quarter, anyway.
0: Oh well, I I like to call them the Dodger fans. They show up in the second quarter and leave in the third. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's been a trend the last few years. So uh, it just I, I I I have a hard time with that because you know I work hard to in order to be able to pay for my season tickets and to see people come in in the second quarter and leave in the third. It just it, it kills me. It, it killed And me where do you it.
1: go going, Fresno? I mean, Doghouse Girl, I'm sure is crowded. I mean, is there like a drunken house party you're going to, or <laughs> a pleasure
0: party, or whatever? I'm telling you, man. I, I this. I I don't know where they're going. they they I bet you anything, they're heading outside the stadium to continue their tailgating. I mean, they figured if if they can't watch a, a competitive game, they might as well go out, uh, you know, out and drink some more. So I think that's what they're doing. But well. you know, Fresno State did add a beer garden last season, so. There is a a place for them to go now to go get their beer if they want hey, you know, we're game.
1: gonna try something new too, and it's actually gonna go up like later online on the barboard site our predictions
0: yeah uh, i'm I'm working on trying to get that up it, you probably will will see it sometime during friday um, since i'm I'm trying to grab those uh, those uh, uh, predictions from, uh, from Jackson and, uh, and Lorenzo as soon as he has his chance to send that one over to me so we'll get those uh, predictions up and we'll, we'll let you know exactly what we think the scoring prediction is going to be for the game otherwise I'd have Lorenzo give you our score prediction now but you'll have to look on the website to see what, what we have as far as our predictions for the game
1: mm-hmm.
0: that being said Lorenzo I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up so why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how they can get a hold of us
1: at Red Wave Report, once again, at Red Wave Report. You are also welcome to follow me on Twitter, which is at LJ underscore Raina. Once again, at LJ underscore Raina. And folks, we will be firing up our tweets for this Saturday between Fresno State and Nebraska.
0: And make sure you join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State football. As we give our recap of the Fresno State Nevada the Fresno State Nebraska game and then get you ready for the Fresno State-Sacramento State game. So, again, join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State football.